is the city that started it all. It's a beautiful day. What a priceless goal that could prove to be. He's going to unleash one. Oh! Sheffield Wednesday celebrate. Billy Sharp, you do not leave that man unmarked in the box. Sheffield United have the lead. the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum. A very good evening to you. Welcome along to Tuesday Night's Football Forum here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music as well. One year on from our first uh, In Isolation show, we're continuing, but uh, not for much longer. I'm Joseph Hadfield and I'm here to bring you the latest action. Josh Chapman and Connor Thorpe having made it through the international break and their first football in God knows how long. No injuries to report, gentlemen. Well, we haven't played yet, so we'll have to find out. Fair enough, then. Uh, it is the show where we discuss the Blades and the Owls, and there's all the big talking points from across British and international football as well. So here's what's to come in the next hour. Three wins for the three Lions. England making it through the World Cup qualifiers with a 100% record after World Cup qualifier wins over San Marino, Albania and Poland. The smallest on the pitch has the biggest impact. Dan James with a Welsh winner over the Czech Republic. Struggling to look for positives for Ireland after a shock loss. While McGuinney Esther is the Scottish star with a 4-0 thumping of the Faroe Islands. In the top stories, a real love point. Germany suffer their first loss in World Cup qualifying since 2001. A shock 2-1 defeat at home, at home to North Macedonia. And we also turn our attention to the weekend's action because it's back to league football. Wednesday have an Easter doubleheader heading to Watford and hosting Cardiff. While United head up the M1 to face that lot. Yes, you know who I mean. As to the round of unpredictable, I'll repeat a week on. How come I always get double figures and still end up losing? on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music and on your smart speaker. Alexa, play Shoe Football Forum. We are still Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Football Forum. And it's live. So thanks for joining us for this latest edition of Football Forum. It is April Fool's Day. Uh, no fooling going on here. We are back uh, after the international break. Nice to have a bit of time off, I should say. Uh, and it is on to the quiz question. It's me this week. Um, it's been a while. Feels like it's been a while since uh, I brought a quiz question. But uh, this week, gentlemen, uh, the question is as follows. And I'm hoping none of you have seen it on Twitter. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, this is a championship-related question. Uh, it's one of Connor's favourites uh, topics. But I am looking this week for the only championship side that has not scored a penalty in the championship so far this season. Ooh. That's a proper random one and all that, isn't it? Because you can't really think about that. No, exactly. Um, There were some stats that were released the other night showing all the goals scored... um, by each championship club and I ferociously studied them uh, I can tell you that Cardiff have, have scored more goals from set pieces or nearly more goals from corners than they have from open play 
so uh, Cardiff really are a set piece merchant uh, but that is your quiz question we're looking for the only championship side that has not scored a penalty in the championship so far this season it's fine that they've taken one but they haven't scored it uh, so that is your question and we will give you the answer at the end of the show and it's uh, it's on to uh, to the action and we start with England in fact because uh, this international break uh, three games for us to review and rather than taking them one by one we'll just uh, give you them in one full dose uh, much like uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine this is you always need your, your one uh, your one dose of football for them uh, England then their first World Cup qualifiers and their last competitive international games before Euro 2021 um, and their group consisted of San Marino who I predicted were going to uh, concede 10 past England um, Albania and uh, then it was Poland without Robert Lewandowski after he'd been sidelined for a month with a knee injury so let's see how they got on a little bit of a montage for you of uh, of the week's action for England in the company of Martin Tyler Foden. now Watkins yes what a way to start Ollie Watkins a debut goal here's Kane they've given it away and England can settle it here They worked hard for a second goal, but in the end they were presented with it. And a penalty has been given. It's a short approach from Kane. And he drives it in, he got the elevation, and that's what did the goalkeeper. Sterling fouled, Kane scores, England won, Poland nil. Stones is caught. And it's cost an equaliser. It's fired in by Motor of Brighton and Hove Albion. And that's the kind of mistake that John Stones has been pillaring in the past four, and he will be again here because it has turned this game around. Oh, it's in! From Harry Maguire. He was a likely lad. Stones repairs the damage. And the two centre-backs combine here. Right, so England there in their three World Cup qualifier games. And, uh, well, I'll just give you the uh, the scores before we discuss them in detail. Uh, San Marino, well, I said 10. It wasn't 10. It was 5. England winning 5-0 against San Marino. James Ward-Prowse scoring his first England goal. Uh, Ollie Watkins also making a debut for England and scoring, in fact, uh, England, not so uh, goal-heavy against Albania in Albania. 2-0 uh, victory for them. And then last night, Wednesday night, England with their toughest test so far up against Polska. No Lewandowski. And uh, Harry Kane with the opener from the penalty spot in the first half. A uh, bit of a cock-up, shall we say, from John Stones. Allowed murder to, uh, to equalise uh, in the 58th. Harry Maguire turning the winner in the 85th minute. John Stones getting the assist. Let's hear Gareth Southgate's reaction to that 2-1 victory over Poland. I thought we were very good in the first half and in control of the game. And then, obviously, to concede a goal like we did can hit hit the team. Um, but they, they stuck at it. They, they recovered their composure and uh, important set-play winner. We played a very good Polish side. And I think that... Um, We've done a lot of good things this week, but we can see there's still a, a step to go. And um, what I really liked, I mean, we had a lot of 
players missing that we might have been able to refresh the team with a little bit more across the, the last two matches. And I think in the end that, that slight fatigue started to tell, but the players stuck at it and they deserve the win. Gareth Southgate there after England's victory over Poland last night. Connor, three games, three wins for the three Lions. And uh, how do you rate the international break? Um, pretty satisfying, I think. First and foremost, it's about the results, obviously. And we're now in a great position in the group. Um, we've seen off the biggest threat in the group, really, in Poland. And I think you look at the situation that we're in, and I think Poland and Hungary as well drawing means that they've obviously both dropped points. And it puts us in a really commanding position in, in the group. And probably mixed performances in, in all three of the games. Things to be happy about, things not to be happy about. San Marino is one that you're probably not going to dwell on too much. You've never really learned much in those sort of games, but we created enough chances probably to win the game by a little bit more than five. I think it's weird to say that you're a bit disappointed with 5-0, but I think 5-0 against San Marino is probably a little bit underwhelming, uh, but you can't be too critical or you can't really praise the performance too much because it's it's just a game that is such a routine 5-0 win at least and we got to the 5 and, and to be fair we probably should have had more there was that period in the second half where we just seemed to take our foot off the gas a little bit which is understandable I guess because you've got two harder games coming up round the corner the players have got you know the three games in the international break they're in the, in the midst of a really difficult season schedule wise so you can understand why the intensity probably wasn't as great all throughout the game and then against Albania it was uh really frustrating and a pretty poor first 30 minutes. We looked very one-dimensional. We just kept the ball at the back for a bit too long. And I think you probably look at the amount of touches that the likes of Mason Mount and Phil Foden had in that sort of first half an hour and it wasn't enough. You compare that with how many touches that the likes of Declan Rice, Phillips and Stones and Maguire had, you know, the centre-backs and the back four, really, compared to the more attacking players and, and Albania were really well organised behind the ball and we, we struggled to break them down, really. And then um, when the first goal arrived, I think we just upped it a little bit. I think the game opened up a little bit more for us and getting the second just gave us a bit more of breathing space and, you know, we, we looked fairly comfortable. We never really looked like conceding. There was, I think, the time when Mason Mount gave the ball away in the first half where Albania broke through and, and nearly scored. But apart from that, they certainly did nothing. They certainly created nothing themselves, you know, from their own sort of good attacking play. You know, it was really controlled defensive performance from England, most of it. And last night against Poland, I thought it was a decent enough performance. It wasn't brilliant. Um, but at the end of the day, we got the job done. I think it was a pretty good first half. I thought we were well in control, dominated possession, had more of the chances. I'd, I'd have liked to have seen us kick on a little bit more and maybe grab the second goal. I think we maybe could have created more chances with the territory and possession that we had to give us a, a bit better, you know, give us a more commanding lead. And in that second half, there was a half an hour period, wasn't there, where the game started to drift away from us. Maybe we, we lost the intensity that we had. Playing against Poland before in the first half, we didn't manage to match that in the second half. John Stones gives the ball away really poorly. Um, you know, it was a it was a poor pass to him by Nick Pope as well. Stones gives it away. And he has got that in his locker, unfortunately. Um, 
But from that point, you know, from the sort of 70th minute onwards, we, we regained our composure. We got back on the front foot and we got the winner. And it's a great finish from Harry Maguire. Stones at the back post redeeming himself with that header across. And it was one of those where, you know, it doesn't really excite you, that sort of performance. It doesn't get you really enthusiastic about England. But at the end of the day, it was a really important result against the, the toughest team that we're going to come up against in the group. I know they didn't have Lewandowski. And that's obviously a massive miss, but you've also got to remember that England were without the likes of Grealish and Sancho, um, you know, players that could have certainly at least, well, Rashford as well, but, but certainly, you know, England didn't make any subs until I think it was like the 85th minute. So players that would have come off the bench maybe 70 minutes in to try and change a game. And we didn't really have that option. So in terms of strength and depth, we were struggling as well. So I think, you know, to come out of it with with a win, 100% record in a potentially plucky, tough game against a plucky Poland side, I think we've got to be pretty happy with it overall. Chappers, obviously, some debuts in uh, in this uh, this England squad. Obviously, we, as I said, Ali Watkins making his debut and scoring uh, last Thursday night. James Ward-Prowse doing the exact same. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin getting a couple against San Marino. So he's looked uh, pretty impressive as well. And you get from this England side, even though last night's performance against Poland was a little bit, little bit underwhelming. Obviously, it's a tough Poland side, but there is still work to do for England. But there are some positives as well. Yeah, I do agree with Conor. And as far as you know, the fact that we've got three wins uh, from three is is a very good return. Um, and I, I just very my issue with England is I just feel very underwhelmed after I watch them. Um, and I think, well, that's not necessarily applies all the time. But when you play teams such as, you know, Poland, where they're, you know, they're a very, they're a decent team. They're, they're nothing sparkling. They've got some, a couple of decent players in there. Obviously, Lewandowski is, you know, a world class player. But apart from that, they've got, you know, a collection of decent players in there. Um, and just against a, a team that's slightly better than the likes of San Marino, I just think, you know, we're, we're just very underwhelming to watch and. Well, I still don't necessarily expect England to turn out and put three or four, five goals past everybody we play. I just think the performances are just so boring. And I think first half, yeah, yesterday, for example, I thought, yeah, we had a lot of the ball. Um, we Poland didn't really get a sniff at all. But we just created so few chances, you know, one shot on target apart from Harry Kane's penalty. And I just thought, you know, we, we don't really look... We, we just, yeah, it's nice to have the ball, but, you know, if you don't do anything with it, then I don't really understand what the point is. And I said at half-time um, that all it takes for Poland to get back into it is one chance and, uh, you know, and it's 1-1 all of a sudden. And, and I, you know, I don't want to jinx it, but it turned out that was the case. You know, all they had were one chance and it came from a mistake from England. You know, Poland didn't really look like they were going to get into it. You know, one chance, a mistake, and, and that's it. It's, you know, scores a level and then we've got to go and, do some soul searching and, and go and try and find a, a winning goal. And I just thought we could have been, we know we didn't need to be in that position against, against Poland. We, you know, like Connor said, we had so much of the ball. Um, you know, we had 61% possession in, in the game. Yesterday. So much of the ball, we just did so few things with it. We had four shots on target in the entire game, which, you know, with the likes of the, the quality of players that England have got going forward in the likes of Foden and Sterling and Kane, if you look at that front three, Got some very exciting players going forward, and I just don't think we did enough of it. And I just think we, 
problem with England is they pass sideways and backwards a little bit too much. It, it reminds me of parts watching United. We get into good areas and then we think, actually, no, let's just go back for a bit. Um, but we just pass sideways and backwards. There's a lot of the time there's very little movement ahead of players. Um, you know, we saw against Albania, for example, in the first, and I didn't watch all the Albania game, admittedly. I, I watched the first 50 minutes or so, but in the first half, we saw a couple of times how Albania were really struggling with the pace of Phil Foden, for example. You know, long ball over the top, getting him in behind, and they, they didn't know what to do with him. But yet, instead of trying to exploit that, you know, we just ended up passing sideways. Let's play it around halfway. Let's not lose the ball. And I just think it's a little bit bit safe. And I think these games, especially Albania and San Marino, provided, as we said the other week, provided a great opportunity for England to, to really go and put some goals past their you know, lesser quality opposition. Um, and, you know, whilst three points is the most important thing, I just think we, we could have done it in a in a much more exciting and, and much more convincing way, especially against Poland, because we really did make hard, hard work of it. And I think Southgate's blushes were spared a little bit last night by, you know, Harry Maguire absolutely thunderbolting one in from 18 yards. And, you know, you don't save those, do you? But... Yeah, I think I think England's blushes were spared a little bit last night because I don't really think it was an, an overly convincing performance. I think I think with the Albania game as well is I couldn't you know it's difficult when a team sits behind the ball like Albania did and makes it really difficult to break them down and they've not really got much going forward. But there's certainly no mugs defensively. They've got a few defenders who play in Syria. They, their their game was to try and sit back and stop England playing through them. And I think in that situation you've got to be a bit patient. I agree that. There needs to be more movement running in behind, and I think that was the, the main issue. I don't think the issue is that, you know, we that we were keeping the ball. I think it's great to keep the ball, but then you also need when Kane's dropping deep, you want Sterling to run in behind, you want Foden to run in behind, so that the defence is stretched and they have to take a few steps back, which creates more space for your players that are that are dropping deep, like Harry Kane. And I don't think there was enough of that going on. I think that when Kane drops deep, and I think it's perfectly understandable that Kane drops deep. You have those runners, those attacking midfielders, prepared to make a run in behind, and I just wonder how that's going to work with England because you've got people like Mount and Grealish um, and Foden who really want to come to the ball between the lines, and then you've also got Harry Kane who, for Tottenham as we've seen, likes to drop deep and he likes runners in behind him. So you've, you've got to decide what you want to do there. Do you want Kane to come deep and maybe get in the way of those creative players that, that want the ball to feet? Um, or do you tell Kane to stay forward, get a bit less involved with play, allow the likes of Mount and Grealish and Foden? I know Grealish wasn't here in the international break, but I'm, I'm just using it as an example as one of those players that likes to come uh, the ball to come to feet. And then do you get Kane to sort of try and stay between the width of the post? But then that takes a lot away from Kane's game as well. So I think they've got to find the right balance there that, if Kane does drop deep, you've got these players running in behind to try and stretch the defence. And definitely against Albania, there just wasn't enough of that going on for most of the game, really. And that was what led to sort of, certainly the first like half an hour up until we scored, led to the game being really predictable. And it was a great ball in from Shaw to, to create the opening goal. I think up to that point, you know, we were really relieved when that went in because we didn't really look like scoring up to then. But I think we did improve after that. And with, you know, I think there are some good signs there with England. You know, I definitely think that the performances of Mason Mount are just hugely positive at the minute. I thought it was brilliant yesterday against Poland. 
thought he did well at Albania. Obviously, he did well against San Marino. I can't really, you know, read too much into that. But he created eight chances in the game. He only played 45 minutes. And I think eight chances in an international game is a record. I saw somebody tweet that and he only played half the game. Um, and I think Declan Rice is really coming to his own in an England shirt last night and against Albania. I thought certainly last night as well. He's won man of the match for a second time in a row. But the way he was reading the game and, and stopping those passes into the striker, cutting out passing lanes and, and also just being really neat and tidy in possession, driving forward a few times. I think his performances and his good mate Mason Mount have certainly given Southgate something something to think about in terms of... I think Rice is probably a shooting to start, isn't he? In, in the defensive midfield role. But in terms of the... You know the, the debate between who's going to play attacking midfield, who's going to play on the left and right for England. Mason Mount's got to be right in there because his performances have been brilliant. I think Mason Mount's always going to be in there, isn't he? Gareth Southgate absolutely loves him, um, and I think that was evident even when you know Mount wasn't necessarily putting in the performances that he is now. Um, you know, Gareth Southgate was absolutely loving him, and obviously that was very much picked up on on Twitter and things yeah, like he that. He got a lot of unjustified stick, I think. Because, yeah. And it was probably because Grealish, people were frustrated that he wasn't liking Grealish, but you can appreciate Mount and Grealish as two really good players and two players that should be, you know, in the conversation to be starting at, at the very least. Um, and I think... We've got a lot of options in that area, and that's fair to say. Well, England with a hundred percent record, as we say, three wins from three, and uh, sitting top of Group I with uh, with no worries now until the summer. Obviously, Euro twenty twenty one is just around the corner, and we hope to bring you all the main action from that on Football Forum over the summer. But a uh, bit of a different format to what you're expecting. Um, but that is England done and dusted. We'll turn our attention uh, to the home nations in just a minute. Bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum. With Football Forum here on Captive, not Captivate, it's Spotify, isn't it? I'm, uh, I'm getting the hang of it now, but, uh, but yes, thank you for your company. So on to the home nations now and a quick look at uh, how all they got on. And, uh, well, Scotland, we'll start with them and uh, 4-0 thrashing for them over their local rivals uh, when it comes uh, to any team apart from those in the British Isles. The Faroe Islands are the closest and a 4-0 victory for them. Che Adams scoring his first Scotland international goal. Uh, that was after uh, Scotland had played uh, the team they love to play in international competitions. That's Israel. I think it's about the fourth time in uh, in a year that they've played each other. Uh, a 1-1 between the two sides on Sunday night and a 2-2 uh, for Scotland at Hampden Park against Austria the other night. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the Austrian scorer. Uh, Wales, well, they were victorious in a friendly 1-0 victory over Mexico on Saturday night. Uh, Kiefer Moore with the goal there. They lost 3-1 um, travelling to Belgium in their opening qualifier on Wednesday night. Kevin De Bruyne amongst the goals. Um, and they were victorious on Tuesday night as well. Wales with a 1-0 victory over the Czech Republic. Dan James, the smallest man on the pitch having the biggest impact to score a goal. Patrick Schick getting sent off for the visitors and uh, Roberts getting sent off for the Wales side. Northern Ireland, uh, they've uh, not done particularly well themselves. One point uh, from their two qualifiers. Italy 
being 2-0 victors with Berardi and Chido Immobile, the scorers on Thursday night. Uh, the USA 2-1 victors, um, 2-1 victors USA against Northern Ireland in a friendly on Sunday and a 0-0 against Bulgaria Wednesday night. And Republic of Ireland, well, they have had an absolute shocker because they've had three uh, qualifiers, uh, sorry, two qualifiers and no points. A 3-2 three, three, defeat away at Serbia. Mitrovic with a couple there. And they lost at home to Luxembourg, who are about 99th in the world. Rodriguez with a uh, a goal for them five minutes from time. 1-1, friendly draw against Qatar, uh, which I don't know where it was played. I think it was Hungary it was played, but uh, but there you are. A few other headlines from across Europe as well. Germany uh, losing 2-1 to North Macedonia in an actual qualifier. And uh, they've only lost three times in World Cup qualifiers of Germany. Uh, you remember the 5-1 against England. That was the last in 2001. And then they lost against Portugal 1985. So a long time ago for that. Uh, Belgium scored eight against Belarus. Funny, Belarus. Obviously, a year ago today, we were talking about Belarusian football on this programme. Uh, Belgium hit eighth against them. Holland nearly did as good against Gibraltar. They got seven. And uh, Hugo Lloris is joint second when it comes to all-time appearances for the French national team, alongside Thierry Henry on 123. Uh, 1-0 victory over Bosnia the other night there. Antoine Griezmann scoring more than David Trezeguet uh, in French all-time national goals. So uh, that's me rounding up all the international stuff. And uh, Mr. Chapman, he gets a week off for international football, but he doesn't get a week off from talking local news. It's rather short this week, uh, but he's still got uh, the Rosa Docks concrete in the background and the local roundup to talk about. Absolutely. And uh, well, like you say, Hadfield, it is a particularly short one this week. So much so we're going to start in League One. Obviously, only Leagues One and below uh, were playing games at the weekend. Uh, so the only game in League One, uh, that uh, really mattered to us was Donny Rovers. They travelled to MK Dons, who had been uh, in pretty decent form lately. Um, they'd won their last three. Donny Rovers, in, on the other hand, really um, struggling to pick up a result at the moment since Darren Moore left. Well, in fact, since before Darren Moore left, they, they were really struggling for results. And unfortunately, um, that was no different this weekend. Well, only one goal separated the sides, but it was enough uh, for an MK Dons victory. Uh, Daniel Harvey in the 76th minute uh, securing the three points for the Dons there. Now that leaves Donny Rovers without a win in the league since the 6th of March when they beat Plymouth 2-1 at home. They've uh, they've only drawn twice since then and have, as a result they have slipped out of the League One playoff places. They do have a couple of games in hand though. Uh, they, for example, they have four games in hand on sixth place Gillingham. But they really do need to start finding some form again. Uh, otherwise they will be out of the playoff picture sooner rather than later and finally we're going to move down into the National League and Chesterfield well after a, a bit of a blip a couple of weeks ago when they lost two in a row um, away uh, sorry at home to Sutton and away at Maidenhead now they've uh, won their last three there's two games for uh, the Spyrites since the last time we were on air uh, they travelled to Aldershot Town uh, a week ago last Tuesday um, and beat them 1-0 Alex Whittle with the game's only goal in the 27th minute and at the weekend, uh, they hosted Weymouth and Tom Whelan, um, who has been really excellent for the Spyrites this season, um, secured another goal uh, for his tally and again, another vital three points 
for the Spyrites. He scored his goal in the 38th minute. Uh, this result leaves Chel uh, Chesterfield in seventh position in the National League table. They have finally snuck into the playoff picture uh, and they do have a couple of games in hand uh, on teams above them as well. Uh, so going great guns under James Rowe. Um, and it, it does remain to be seen where they will finish come the end of the season. But if they carry on this fantastic form, they will be up there and pushing for promotion back to the Football League Pyramid, which would be excellent for them. And that is your local roundup. Lovely stuff, Chappers. I was going to say, uh, Chesterfield always managed to beat older shots. Even I should know, 3-0 uh, a few years ago. This is Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Shoe Football Forum. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of Football Forum. Still to come on the programme, we'll look ahead to the weekend's action with United and Wednesday both in action. Uh, Wednesday with a double header for themselves. And on the round of unpredictable, I pick the games this week. But no surprise, I'm probably going to lose. So into the top stories and uh, Sergio Aguero, the man who scored probably the Premier League's most iconic goal. And uh, he's leaving Man City, they've announced, after, well, I think he signed in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so he's been there 10 seasons. He's had a, he's had a decade at uh, on the blue side of Manchester. And Connor, in all honesty, there's no doubt in how good He's been for Manchester City. But the question is, who do they replace him with? Well, <laughs> that's a tough one, because how do you replace Sergio Aguero? I think probably the most obvious answer that I can give you, and probably the, the the best answer I can give you is, um, you know, that robot from Norway, uh, <laughs> Erling Haaland, because I think, you know, this he's just such a great, complete, all-round striker. Obviously, really young as well. You're only going to get better. I think he's the man that everybody in, in the world is going to be looking to try and sign. I know that there's a lot of talk of him going to Barcelona. Um, there's talk that Alfie Haaland, his dad, and Mino Raiola are in Barcelona. So that's caused a lot of debate today. Um, but I think Erling Haaland is the man that that most team top teams will be looking at. And I don't see why Manchester City will be, will be much different. I think he can, you know, he's... he's Fantastic at running in behind. He's got a real, real physical presence. He's an unbelievable finisher. He's got every sort of facet to his game, and I think he's the best shout to replace probably any striker that leaves a top club at the minute. So, Chappers, uh, Connor is going for the Norwegian robot that is Erling Haaland. But uh, if news does serve as correct that uh, Haaland is on his way to uh, to Barcelona, who's your backup? Yeah, yeah, I would have to agree with Connor um, on on two counts. A, I think he would be the perfect replacement for Sergio Aguero, and B, that he is a robot. There is there is no way a real person can be as good as putting the ball in the back of the net as as he is. Um, apart from if you look at people like Lionel Messi, but that's a different conversation. Um, I think if you look closer to home, I think the potential obvious choice if you can't get um, Haaland's signature is, is Harry Kane. Um, he's he's Still got a number of years left in him. Um, I don't think 
I, I just think he'd be, a, you know, I think he'd do an excellent job at Man City. And I don't want to necessarily say Tottenham's not a good enough club for him, because obviously that's not the case. And, he, you know, he's been a fantastic servant to Tottenham over a number of years um, and, and continues to be. Um, but I just think he would be an excellent fit at Manchester City. Uh, the creativity that flows in that team is is absolutely scary. And I think he would score so many goals in a, in a, in a blue shirt uh, for City. Because all he all he'd have to do is wait in and around the box, and he'd get the ball to him, and he'd go and put it in the back of the net. And I know that's not necessarily um, all of his game, because like we said earlier, he does like to come a bit deeper. But I just don't think there'd be any need for him because he could he could just stand in the same place. And when you've got players like De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Mares, Sterling, Foden, you know Gundogan, you can keep you know reeling them off. When you've got players like that who can just put such excellent service into you know, a striker. It's an absolute dream for a, a number nine like Harry Kane because he will just, it's meat and drink to him. Um, and I think he would be an excellent replacement and not as expensive as um, as Erling Haaland either. Probably not by much because I do think Tottenham would probably ask a good 75, 80 million for him. Um, but um, I think he would be an excellent replacement. It almost, Quite- and I don't even want to, con- I don't want to necessarily say this, but it would be a budget replacement in comparison to Erling Haaland, wouldn't it really? Quite. <laughs> it's like the Aldi replacement, isn't it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but uh, no, I think, I think he'd do an excellent job in a, in a Manchester City shirt if, if he was to go there. Both people, Haaland or, and or Kane. Sergio Aguero though, 10 years at Man City, Connor. And there's no point having this debate about who's the greatest Premier League striker because us three are absolutely useless at that because we've only probably watched about two thirds of the Premier League in its entirety. But there's no doubt in Sergio Aguero is and, and still his capabilities wherever he goes. Well, yeah, I think in terms, you know, like you say, I've been watching football since 2007. So I'm not going to sit here and say and try and compare him to Thierry Henry or Andy Cole or Ruben Van Nistelrooy, Alan Shearer, because these are players that, although you've seen clips of them, you never really get to appreciate them if you're not watching them at the time that they're playing. You know, if I'm thinking of players, champion, Premier League strikers with that sort of longevity, with the goal records, with the quality that he's provided, the important moments he's provided as well. I think Aguero's got to be right up there, hasn't he, with the likes of, you know, people like Rooney and Van Persie. Um, and I think Aguero probably... It's, diff- it's a difficult one because I think the only thing that maybe holds him back from being far clear of that is is the injuries that he's had over his career if he didn't have the injuries then you know he could could be having a, an even better conversation about him but that was the only thing that, that really stopped him from kicking on even more but there's absolutely no doubt that he'll go down as a Premier League great and, and he definitely should do he should indeed Thierry Henry is the correct answer to that debate but uh, but there you are um Chapper Sergio Aguero is uh, that moment that winning goal you had it in your iconic commentaries this time last year uh, we're never going to forget that goal it's probably nothing like that's ever going to happen again but he uh, he's definitely wrote his name in Premier League history. Yeah, I um well after it was announced the other day um the Premier well a few people tweeted it um tweeted that infamous goal uh, and Martin Tyler's infamous commentary that went with it um and it it was what an incredible incredible moment um for for Manchester City fans up and down the country and around the world a purely magical moment um and he he will be sorely missed because he is a, an absolutely magical player. And like Connor says, it's a shame that 
he has spent a lot of time injured um, because he really he is a, a magical striker and, and can pull goals out of absolutely nowhere. Um, and he, he is an exceptional talent. Funny thing is, uh, if he hadn't scored the other the other week, the last goal he'd have scored, if he doesn't score any for the rest of the season, would have been against Sheffield Wednesday. So, uh, so that's one for uh, for Connor to to remember. And funny enough, the last Premier League goal would have been against United. But there you are. Uh, Peter Drury's was also brilliant as well. And uh, there's many commentators that did that game that you could say argue. But uh, but there you are. Anyway, so. Uh, Aguero moves on, we move on, and our attention turns to league football once again. Wednesday have got two, United have got one, and frankly, let's preview the lot of them. United and Wednesday in the previews, next. Joseph, Josh and Connor, this is Football Forum, only on Shoe Radio. This is Football Forum here on Spotify. Much appreciating your company on this Tuesday evening or whenever it is that you're listening back on Catch Up. So on to the previews for the weekend's action. And uh, we'll start with Wednesday, Connor, because there are two games for you coming up. Uh, the second of which is on Sky on Monday evening. Um, but first up is a trip to Watford. Now, uh, obviously, you weren't in the presser this morning. I was. Uh, I, I can't believe I'm actually saying that, but... Uh, good bit of news for you is that uh, there are a number of uh, potential returns. Kieran Westwood potentially could be uh, starting again and uh, Sam Hutchinson as well. But uh, realistically, it is a bit of a, a must win for, for Wednesday. Nine games left. Every game's a must win. But Watford, well, your call. Well, I think it's probably the toughest game you can get at the minute. You know, there's probably a debate to be had about whether that or Norwich is a tougher game right now. And you could probably swing either way on that. You know, Watford's form, they've won the last five in a row. They've won nine of the last ten, um, losing one of them, which was at Bournemouth, which was a very bad-tempered affair. Uh, but, you know, Munoz has got them playing really well. Um, must admit, I haven't seen a great deal of recently, but... Um, you know, there's quality flowing through that side, you know, in the likes of Ishmael Asar, Will Hughes. Shalaba really seems to be coming into his own. Um, and I think we're going to be up against it, to be honest. I think, you know, having Westwood back is a bonus and, you know, that's 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 all well and good. But the news of Luongo being out for the season is, is disappointing because he's a very important player when he's fit. And I think... I think we'd be better off if he was if he was fit all season, to be honest with you, because he was so good when he played, but he just can't stay fit. And that's the big problem with him because, you know, he's he's probably one of the better defensive midfielders in the league, really, when he's fit. And, you know, he's good, really good at breaking up play. So that's a worry. I just don't think we're going to have enough quality to, to get a result here. I think you say it's a must win. <laughs> I think you're right in that, you know, there are sort of nine cup finals and we have to go on a great run of form. To stay up, but I, I think this is a bit beyond us, to be honest. This game, um, can't see it happening, so I'm going 2 0 Watford. 2 0 Watford for Connor. It's that time of the season, ladies and gentlemen. We've hit April, there's only a month and a half left, and Connor's brought out the cup finals cliche. It's arrived. 
Um, yeah. Every so, game's a cup final now. Every game's a cup <laughs> final. We've yeah, got nine I'm, cup finals now between now and end of season. I, I don't like to do that, but it's it's true, isn't it? It is true. And, um, you know, the run that we're going to need, we're going to need playoff form between now and the end of the season, I think. Um, and that doesn't mean we have to beat Watford because I think that game's beyond us. But if we lose against Watford, it obviously puts more pressure on the other games, which Cardiff's going to be a tough one. Um, and then, you know, there are a few more winnable ones in there, but there's a few difficult ones as well. So let's see how it goes. Indeed. Now, we're not going to pre- predict the Cardiff game because we've got no clue. Um, so we will do it on, um, we'll do it off air and uh, let you know the score predictions. But as Connor says, Wednesday, six points off safety. They have got a game in hand, but look at how many Rotherham have got. And in fact, Rotherham are probably going to have as many get are going to catch up pretty quickly. Um, so a 2-0 Watford victory for Connor Chappers. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with Connor in, in saying that I really cannot see anything else apart from a, a Watford victory here. Um, I know, obviously, last time out, Wednesday had a great result against Barnsley. But as I said um, in the review of that game, if, if Wednesday were going to win any game and Barnsley were going to lose any game, it was going to be that one. So um, I'm not... 100% sure how much you can read into it, in all honesty. Um, in terms of this game, though, I'm going to say 3-1 Watford. I think Wednesday will score, um, but I just think, like Connor says, Watford have got so much quality in that team. Um, I think it's just impossible for them not to not to get a win here. And they're on an excellent run, too. So a 3-1 victory for Watford against Wednesday for Chappers. I am going to go... I'm going to join Connor. I'm going to say 2-0. Uh, you look at Watford... I, I, it, it could be anything, couldn't it? But, uh, I mean, Jordan Rhodes, look at the form he's been on. There could be a goal. I'm going to say 2-0. And uh, as we know, Sheffield Wednesday sitting 23rd in the championship table. Watford in second top. Uh, so it's second top against second bottom. And uh, 43 points between the two of them. Cardiff is on Monday night, 5.30 kickoff on Sky, if you want to watch that one. Uh, they sit eighth, or it will be different by them. Uh, we move onwards from Wednesday over to United, Chappers. And, well, it's that time of the season. It's up to Ellen Road. Basham will not be arriving. Basham is uh, on the treatment table. Um, and it's gonna funny, if this, this shows how long ago it is, it's the first game against that lot without Wilder in charge, but it is a former that lot manager that is in charge of us now. Um, It is West Yorkshire White. um, And uh, well, realistically, you could say there's there's however many cup finals left for us to survive, even though we probably definitely are not surviving. Uh, 14 points off safety with nine games left. So it's nine cup finals. Um, but is it going to happen? Probably not. Um, but yeah, West Yorkshire White, Saturday, three o'clock, Amazon Prime. And uh, well, what's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, um, I think my thoughts are that there's, there could be 19 cup finals left and we still want to stay up. Um, there could be 90 cup finals left and we still want to stay up. So it really makes no difference how many games we've got left. Um, having said that, I, re- <laughs> I actually think this game's a really difficult one to predict because... Leeds are potentially the most inconsistent side in the Premier League at the minute um, and potentially have been all season as well, in all honesty. Um, because, I mean, you look at the last five, they've won two, uh, lost two and drawn one. 
So, you know, they are incredibly inconsistent. Um, if you look at the home table, if you look at, yeah, the home table, Leeds currently sitting 11th in the home table. If you look at the away table, United currently sitting rock bottom of that. Um, but I just think after, you know, the performance we put in, especially second half against Chelsea, you know, we might get something here. Um, I think we, we're playing for pride now, aren't we, really? We're not really playing for anything else. Um, obviously, we're out of the FA Cup, so there's there's really no point to our season. So we are just playing for pride and trying to pick up as many points as we can so we don't completely embarrass ourselves. Um, I'm not necessarily sure we can win um, because that would mean probably having to score a goal and also not concede any or score more than we do concede, which is very unlikely, um, especially given our defensive situation at the moment. Um, we've got some... Well, Egan's still out, Basham's still out, O'Connell's still out. Um, unfortunately, Ender Stevens should be fit, which is a shame um, because that means he'll probably play. Um, at least Ethan Ampadu will be back because obviously he couldn't play against Chelsea. But yeah, I just think it's a difficult one to predict. Don't really know which, which, which way it's going to go. I'm going to say, I don't know, 2-1 leads. I don't know. But again, that means we'll have to score 2-1 leads. Though, so. <laughs> Right, okay. Uh, West Yorkshire White in 11th, uh, a full 25 points clear of South Yorkshire Red. So uh, very good here. Uh, 2-1 for Chappers. I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to say... Don't say it. Don't do it. Because you'll just lose points if you say United are going to win. So Oh, I wasn't going to say that. No, oh, I wasn't going right. to say that. Don't worry. No, no, say. no. I'll tell you now, and I'll I'll say it now live on air, and I'll keep this in. United ain't hitting 20 points this season, I'll tell you now. No, you're right. We might get uh, a couple, couple of draws, but I can't see yeah, getting anywhere exactly. near 20. At uh, least no, we're not I'm as bad as Derby. No, it, I'm going to say 2-0 two, two West Yorkshire White. We ain't, we ain't scoring. We ain't doing all. And even with Sander Cheeseburger back in about two weeks we ain't doing all uh so two nil west yorkshire white for me connor's loving this connor. that's, by the way talking about that that's actually my fantasy name on uh on fantasy football i sanders, know Ber- sanders burgers and one of my mates completely coincidentally he's called himself cheeseburgers as well yeah lovely well, like that. but there you are anyway that's just i digress as you were lovely connor Whoa. um i'm gonna go three one to leeds i think united will score just because leeds will give chances away uh but I think that they'll create quite a few chances and, and put you to the Score. sword to an extent. Put you to put the blades to the sword. Um, oh, you can see the headlines now, I can't did, you? Yeah, yeah, I did have a dodgy feeling that United were going to win this, but I, no, I don't no. think. But I think um, I think three one to Leeds. Three one West Yorkshire White for Connor and uh, yeah, as we say, Amazon Prime Saturday three o'clock kickoff. It is a Saturday three o'clock kickoff. Uh, it just means it's over quicker than uh, than usual, uh, right? United and Wednesday done and uh, the return to the studio for two of us at least potentially could be three is closing in uh, but you're still stuck with us on Zoom for a couple more weeks as well that mountain that they need to climb is getting steeper every week I honestly I think we're in big trouble it's rotten to the core to be honest it's not a good time to be a Sheffield United fan 2-1 defeat away at Figgin Connor at Figgin 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 I don't know where's that come I'm from tight. the biggest guess oh morning mate All right. cheers, cheers guys Joseph Hadfield oh goodness me Sobosilia <laughs> Josh Chapman oh wow it was awful Connor Thorpe it was a, an absolutely massive win Cardinal Redis <laughs> 
Card in already. I can't believe I've just said We are still Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Football Forum. Thursdays from 5.15. Only on Shoe Radio. Yes, Football Forum back business as usual next week after Easter is done and dusted. I'm about five stone heavier with all the Easter eggs in my system right on to another round i love how chappers is just nodding how dare you Look, i'm um, agreeing with you because i know it's the same story for me so next time i'm not necessarily saying you will be but it, it will be for me i definitely won't be um right on to another round of unpredictable and a look at how we did last week first of all and right how how is this going on i think i could be wrong here but what was the all-time record when it came to points on this game I'm just looking I now. I think it went to 17 or something like that. Didn't, was, don't I it, hold the record? You did until now because we have a brand new record on Unpredictable. The most points in a single game week. Connor Thorpe has got his crown back. 18 so, points really? out of a possible... Well, well, let's be brutally honest. It was out of a possible 30. So 18 out of 30 isn't bad. No, yeah. pretty. But good. then you look at previous weeks and, well, he's had six two weeks ago so I'm, there you are probably uh, mid-table Chappers, mediocrity that connor well, well you're not doing too bad yourself <laughs> mid-table you're bottom of the table mediocrity chappers but you got 16 points so hey, that's I'll not too that. bad and I'll actually in all honesty if england had scored one more uh no sorry if england had kept a clean sheet you'd have got the first 20 pointer i think or something like that uh, but yeah, not not bad for you. Two five point. In fact, you both got two five pointers. It's just Connor's got one more two pointer. Ah, oh, damn England and their victory over Poland. I would have got a full two pointer across the board. But nevertheless, twelve points for me, and it means the scores on the doors after twenty nine rounds are as follows: Chappers still yet to hit hundred, but it's one eight six for yourself. I am now thirty points ahead on what on two sixteen. Connor is 17 ahead of me on 233. As we go into round number 30 for this weekend's games, uh, four of the TV games, and I've no idea what channels they're on, but I will check in a second. Uh, we're starting tomorrow night. Barnsley up against Reading. It is on Sky. I know that much. I just don't know when. It is, let me have a look. It is on telly and it is a 5.30 kickoff. So as soon as the whistle goes uh, across the championship, Barnsley kickoff at Oakwell. Barnsley up against Reading. I've no idea where they are in the position, but they're both aiming for um, top uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, fifth Barnsley against... Current, yeah, fifth against sixth. Barnsley fifth against Redding sixth. sixth. Uh, Chappers, you first. Yeah, um, tough one to predict this. Really tough. Both good teams. Um, Reading on not won in a few games now they've gone three games without a win obviously Barnes are losing against Wednesday last time out but again like I said that wasn't necessarily a massive surprise to me um, I think Barnsley will do it I'll say 2-0 Barnsley 2-0 Barnsley for Chappers uh, me on the other hand oh, I don't know I really don't know I'm going to say Go on, Barnsley. I'll give you the win. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one nil. One nil Barnsley. That'll do for him. Uh Connor. Yeah, I'm gonna say three one Barnsley. I think the the way that Barnsley play will upset Reading because they like to get the ball in between the lines um to their gifted attacking midfielders. And there's not gonna be any time or space to do that. And they don't really have 
real genuine pace running in behind. I know Lucas Shaw can do that, but you know, I think that Reading are better when they can get the ball into feet and play off Shaw, and they're not going to be able to do that against Barnsley. I'm not sure that they're going to be able, they're going to get the best out of the players um, in, in a game that I expect to be really frantic. And Barnsley will be, you know, as, as always, really good from set pieces, really direct, and I expect them to cause them a lot of problems. So 3-1 Barnsley for Connor. Onwards we go. Um, that one is on Sky, if you so wish. Uh, on to Saturday night action, and it is Leicester City who are taking on Manchester City. Um, yes, uh, Man City, uh, Leicester City, Man City, 5.30 on Sky Saturday evening. It is third against first. Connor. Really tough one to predict. I'm going to go 2-1 to Man City. I think it is difficult. Um, so yeah, two-one Man City. Two-one City or Man City, I should say, for Connor. I am gonna go. I'm gonna say two-one Man City as well. This has got uh, one of those written on it. Two-one City for me as well, Chappers. Uh, I'm gonna go. Th- oh, I don't know. It's close. It's tough. This one, isn't it? I'm gonna go three-one City because I I think Leicester will score, but I just think. Yeah, 3-1 City. 3-1 City or Man City for Chappers. Uh, Onwards, after that's done, it's Arsenal up against Liverpool. Arsenal sitting in, where are they? They are ninth. Liverpool in seventh, uh, eight o'clock on Sky. This one, Chappers first. Uh, Yeah, horrible one to predict this, Arsenal-Liverpool. I'm going to say 1-1. Honestly, I really don't know which way this is going to go, so I'm going to go 1-1. Um, and just hope for a draw. One-one for Chappers. I am gonna go. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know this. What these this week? Um, oh, you know, you know what? Go on, Arsenal. You can have the win. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say two-one Arsenal. Two-one Arsenal for me, Connor. Yeah, tough one to predict. I think Liverpool are gonna sneak it. I'm gonna say two-nil to Liverpool. Um, you know, two teams that have had poor seasons, but I think Liverpool's quality will shine through here. Someone's getting the two points in that one. We finish up on uh, on Sunday, I think it is, on Sunday. Southampton up against Burnley. Uh, the 12 o'clock offering Sunday lunchtime from Sky. 14th up against 15th. Uh, mid-table mediocrity is the definitive term for this one. Connor. Yeah, it just screams 1-0 Burnley this, I think. Um, you know, Southampton have not had a great year in 2021. Burnley kind of... Struggling for consistency, sort of got back back in form recently with that win at Everton. Uh, and I fancy them to sneak it 1-0 here. 1-0 Burnley for Connor. I am going to go... Oh, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. So we'll go Chappers first. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% sure. I know either. Um, I, w- I can see both ways. I don't... I, I can't necessarily see this game ended in a draw because I do think one team will probably just sneak it. I think Connor's probably fairly accurate with what he's saying about Burnley. Um, so, having said all that, I'm going to say 1-0 Southampton. 1-0 Southampton for Chappers. And I was going to go for a draw, but I'm going to 2-1 to Southampton myself. Uh, yeah, with the way Southampton have been playing, it looks like a victory for them. Right, that's almost it from football from tonight. Just before we go, time for the quiz question. And gentlemen, it was the uh, the only championship side that has taken a penalty and not scored one 
in the second tier so far this season. Answers, please. I'm going to go for somebody really random. I want to say Huddersfield. I don't believe it. He's no. got it on. Is it? Spot on. It is. Get Huddersfield it. Before I even had a chance. <laughs> yeah, yes, and Ogo missed one in a recent game, didn't he? I think it was against Cardiff. Was yeah. that what you were going to say, Connor? No, no, I, I think I would have said Derby. But then again, Derby scored quite a few from Pendleton. Yep, Wayne Rooney's but, Derby County have scored. Well, yeah. honestly, that was a... I, I, I know you said, I hope you've not seen it on Twitter. I've genuinely not seen anything about that. That was a pure guess. And I just thought, who's a really disgusting team that would probably, you know, not score a penalty? Huddersfield. 100% Huddersfield. Huddersfield Town is the correct answer. There you are. Um, even Sheffield Wednesday have scored penalties, but they've only scored 25 all season. There well, there was a point where we were only scoring penalties. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if you wanted a goal in a game, you had to get a fouling box. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, that is your lot from football for me, Chappers and Connor. Back after Easter, uh, I think it'll, well, it's either Tuesday or Thursday somehow. But Champions League is back next week and uh, we'll have a look through that. And the studio is only a couple of weeks away. Uh, so me and Connor can sound even better and uh, not talk over each other for once. Uh, we will see you next week. All, from all the team here on Football Forum, take care and happy Easter. Good night. Shoe Radio. Beautiful day. Bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum.